Welcome to Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast exploring generational leadership success for family businesses. Brought to you by the Ole Miss Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you're ready to take your family owned business to new and perpetual heights, stay tuned to hear compelling insight from experienced business leaders who will help you set your business up for generational advancement. Whether you want to go public, stay private, or make international inroads. Now, keep listening for how to leave an enduring legacy through exceptional leadership. And my name is Clay Dibrell. I'm a professor of management and the co-director for Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the University of Mississippi in Oxford, Mississippi. I'm very fortunate to be joined today by Dr. Chelsea Sherlock, who is an assistant professor of management at Mississippi State University just down the road in Starkfield, Mississippi. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. And so, Chelsea, we're really excited to have you here today for a variety of reasons. Uh, but the big one is the fact that we wanted to talk a little bit about your research and you're known for your family business scholarship. And uh, one of the problems that we sometimes suffer from as academics is the ability to translate uh, our academic research into research that is uh, more approachable by family businesses. So thank you for taking time to do that. And the article that we're going to be talking about today is one that you published in the Family Business Review with other co-authors entitled, So What Do We Know and Where Do We Go? A Review of Social-Emotional Wealth and a Way Forward. Could you describe what uh, you and your co-authors did in this paper? Yeah, so this is actually um, partly a review of socio-emotional wealth, um, which if you don't know, um, more focuses on the affect of endowment that family firms have. Um, and how it alters their decision making, right? That typically non-family firms strive for uh, purely financial goals. Um, but if we know, or what we know from family businesses is that they also have to weigh these non-financial goals, meaning things related to status, reputation, or how emotion influence decision making. And so kind of this balancing act between financial and non-financial goals. So there's been a tremendous of work um, done in this area of research. And so our author team started, um, wanted to start with a review of kind of what do we know, take stock of what do we know about socio-emotional wealth. Um, but then we kind of presented ways forward, looking at some kind of conditional and necessary conditions of SEW to exist. Uh, two, two of those necessary conditions being uh, family control, right? Maintaining that family control over multiple generations, but then also having um, the ambition towards that transgenerational um, succession, right? Because without those two things, uh, we they fail to be a family business. And so kind of went along those lines um, just to really inform our research, again, balancing those financial and non-financial goals, uh, kind of what do we know from past literature and where can we go looking forward? So Chelsea, help me out here a little bit more here. So in relationship to socio-emotional wealth, is this something that's unique to family firms? Is that what you're trying to do here? Or uh, is, does everybody have it? Right. So that's kind of where these necessary and uh, conditional um, aspects come in, uh, because concerns related to things like identity and emotion and reputation are all relevant concerns for even a non-family business, right? They want to have a positive uh, reputation. They want to have potentially a status uh, looking at like things like human and social capital and uh, the kind of their outreach, any type of uh, philanthropic endeavor. But what makes it unique is how the family influences those particular outcomes. Um, so they have a unique um, influence on those similar um, 
reputational aspects. Um, and again, with that uh, family control and the trans- transgenerational succession intentions, we see those priorities kind of shift and take a different form than say non-found or non-family or even lone founder firms. So in taking that a step further, you mentioned some some pretty big phrases there, such as transgenerational succession. Is that what you're looking at where the family is looking to be succession to multiply the next generation to pass it on to that next Correct. generation? Yes. Yep. So was that what makes a family firm unique uh, along this versus that non-family? Yeah, that's typically one of the defining characteristics. In fact, a lot of research won't even consider a family business to be classified as a family business until they've gone beyond that first generation uh, succession uh, that they've kind of made. Although that that intention might be there, they actually want to observe that that uh, generational uh, change has occurred. Okay, excellent. Because I do know, like, you know, that's uh, the, the classic garment. Well, who's the entrepreneur? versus the passing down to the family for that. So that next generation. So uh, just looking at some of your research here, I say that you you talk about identification, binding ties, uh, emotional attachment, as well as the two big ones there with the family control and also a renewal there. So what do you what do you mean by identification? How do I identify with a firm? Because that seems or a company that seems a little unusual to me. Sure. Well, and what's unique in family businesses is because of that um, overlap that family members have. They're not only a member of the business, but they're also a member of the family. And those two things kind of interact to create a unique identity. Um, Typically, too, uh, you know, family owners see the business as an extension of themselves and kind of share that identity overlap, meaning that they're going to make decisions uh, kind of with their own identity in mind, as well as the businesses, right? So it's um, a really unique uh, overlap that exists there um, where that greater overlap then increases um, its ability to shape decisions uh, to a greater extent than non-family firms. So you talk about this ability to shape decisions such as the family. So do the family's values, would those be embedded inside the company and or do they help increase the culture of the company? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's some of those uh, family values that kind of permeate through all of those characteristics, the emotions, the binding social ties, the identity um, that, again, give more uh, credence to those specific uh, factors, specifically in family businesses. Okay, excellent. And and I was going to follow this up. So how do so social emotional wealth sounds like it's a good thing. The social emotional wealth, a good thing for a family, because they're they're identifying with that group. They got the social binding ties. They got emotional attachment for the business that they're in. Is it good yeah. or bad? I mean, it can be absolutely. Um, and I think it is really truly one of the defining characteristics of family businesses because of the way um, of that overlap. But um, like anything, too much is maybe a good thing. Um, if again, we talked about how it's balancing kind of SCW social emotional wealth with these financial goals. And if you place too much emphasis on simply maintaining the family, only making really uh, risk averse decisions to kind of safeguard your identity, or you're making emotionally based decisions that maybe overlook the financial ramifications, you may end up performing poorly. And over time, right, that uh, poor performance may, um, the business may suffer. So it's a fine balancing act. So it is absolutely a good thing. Um, but to an extent, right? Excellent. So we'll follow up on that there too. 
Family-owned businesses account for 64% of the U.S. gross domestic product, generate 62% of the country's employment, and account for 78% of all new job creation. For more information on becoming a part of the Legacy Leadership Program, visit our website at olemiss.edu slash CIE. The Legacy Leadership Podcast is sponsored by the Ergon Foundation, Do Good Work, and the CELO Agency, Creative Vision, the ability to see what is and what can be. Coming back to you uh, again, once again, Chelsea, on this. So you, you alluded to that it could be either good or bad, and that maybe too much of a good thing sometimes is actually a bad thing mm-hmm. for in terms of the performance. Do, do family businesses, so it sounds almost like family businesses may act a little irrationally on occasion versus a, a, a someone, a, a normal company per se, or non-family firm, a company? Yeah. Absolutely. And again, that's uh, kind of speaks to some of the altruistic motives of family businesses, right? They want to protect uh, their children or other family members, um, oftentimes at the expense of financial gain. Um, but that does strengthen the family in some regards. So it's all a really delicate balancing act. Um, but yeah, socio emotional wealth typically is associated with good things. Um, again, it is unique to family businesses, uh, a really unique area to study. Uh, getting it at some of those emotions that may alter that rational decision-making um, or what we think is rational, right? Oftentimes becomes deeply emotional uh, over multiple generations, uh, fulfilling that family legacy, focusing on um, different traditions and different values. Yeah. I love how you alluded to the different values of the family and the legacy effects there. Uh, so because one of the best things about the family is the the origin story of the family and how the family firm got going along those lines. So help me out here also, because you talk about reputation, reputation of the company. How does the reputation of the company, like a, in a community, like you know, we have several great family businesses here in the great state of Mississippi. So what are some of these aspects that you could see as reputation building, that they would try to do something a certain way? Sure. Yeah. Abs- uh, family business are... T- family businesses are typically very invested in their communities. And it's one of the things um, and deeply embedded in those communities that really does make them unique. Um, Whether it be because they're a strong employer in that area or simply because of their um, philanthropic, you know, giving back, uh, being engaged with chambers of commerce. Um, But again, it's just one area that they would take into consideration when, um, you know, deciding to keep maybe their facilities or factories um, local versus um, outsourcing to other areas. They definitely want to uh, stay loyal to that community. So again, I think it just speaks to a little bit of that emotion, but also um, the reputation in a broader sense. So those reputation to the broader sense, because I know a lot of our companies here in Mississippi are great about hiring, uh, you know, Mississippians to work in them and they're a major driver since we lack a Fortune 500, Fortune 100, 500 uh, type area. So what are some of the ways that kind of going forward that you could help a, a business, family business specifically, grow in, in terms of helping them leverage the social emotional wealth as a competitive advantage or something that's going to help them be more competitive? Sure, that's a great question. Um I think playing into the strengths of socio-emotional wealth, right? We talked about how too much of it can be a bad thing, um, but really leveraging pieces of that identity um, 
sharing some of those family values, sharing some of those family traditions, um, show that you're committed to the community. You're not going anywhere, um, that you're, and you're, you're loyal to Mississippi. And I think Mississippians will, uh, pick up on that and respond positively, right. Uh, knowing that, uh, they're joining a workplace that wants to give back to the state, wants to give back to their community. And they want to be a part of that. Um, rather than just another cog in the machine at, you know, potentially a fortune 100 uh, company. And that's really where those family values can be a source of positive change there um, or just a source of positive uh, effective endowment for the family and for workers there. Along those lines, I was going to say, so you hit on it already in terms of the reputation and that stability and the desire to go longer, long-term orientation, longer focus, I've read elsewhere that uh, often that family businesses are usually, they're very good about trying not to lay off employees, for example, in part because even though it may not be the best thing for the quote, the company in terms of the financial bottom line, they want to keep those employees there, keep them uh, working just because it could affect uh, either the reputation, but also more really have a negative impact on those families' lives. And so their the employees' lives right there, so then their families. So they want to keep them engaged there. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, so wrapping this up, help us out a little bit, help me out a little bit more in terms of social emotional wealth and passing it down to the next generation. How does that look? Sure. Well, it's not necessarily um, a process that occurs, uh, I guess I would say consciously, um, where there's something tangible to pass on. These are all um, kind of intangible values that either individual hold, uh, individuals hold or the family collective holds, right? And so it, it oftentimes this socio-emotional wealth starts at a young age, um, kind of this, this learning process that you go through as a member of the family of, okay, what do, what do we value? Just like you would in any family, kind of what are your priorities, um, things about emotions and that identity and kind of what does the business stand for? Um, so it really is formed over the life of the next generation. Um, things though, like family meetings involving family members um, at an early age in the business can definitely help shape some of those non um, that effective endowment of the individuals. Um, but really I think it starts at a young age and continues to grow and shape from there. Um, so it's a really unique aspect uh, that not everyone has. Excellent. And thank you, Dr. Chelsea Sherlock from Mississippi State University uh, for taking time to be with us here today. Uh, and thank you, everyone, to our audience for listening to this edition of the Legacy Leadership Family-Owned Podcast, where we explore family businesses in the South. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this edition of Family-Owned, a Legacy Leadership Podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Join us next time to gain invaluable insight into your family business and how to make generational advancements for your family, industry, and community.